Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. On the music end of things, we've had the opportunity to chat with singers and songwriters, as well as members of a large group. In this episode, we focus on a four-piece band that has been performing in various venues around town for years. The group is Rewind, and our guest is one of its singers and bass player, Paul Olmsted. So, Paul, welcome to the program. Thank you. I hear you have been designated as the official spokesman for Rewind. That's what I was told. (laughs) Now, on the program today, we are talking about the band. Yes. And we're talking about the band's passion for playing music. Yes, absolutely. And so you've apparently drawn the short straw to sit down and have this conversation (laughs) this afternoon. So let's go back and talk about the band and how it got started. Okay. So it was about 1999 or 2000. uh, Rick Taylor and myself, uh, we met up at uh, one of the schools that I was teaching at. Rick was a former teacher and he kind of came in and was sitting in the staff room and had mentioned that he had just bought a, a new guitar and he'd always wanted to play in a band. Uh, I'd played in a lot of bands in my youth uh, in Toronto, but I hadn't played in about 10 years uh, since I'd moved to Kingston. And I said, well, I, I play, used to play in bands. You want to you form a band? And he was like, okay. <laughs> and that easy. <laughs> it was that easy. Uh, so it was about a week later, he called me up and uh, he had a couple of guys who were interested in looking to kind of form a band. Uh, Bob Petrick and uh, Dave New were their names, and uh, we got together, and we sort of jammed in his basement and thought, yeah, this is this is kind of working. And then we were like, well, does anybody know a drummer? So uh, someone said, well, I know a drummer. Uh, Jamie Corbett was uh, was not with a band at that point in time, so we went and got him, and we uh, we just started jamming. And next thing you know, we we had a band together, and uh, we got a gig uh, in a few weeks. So what was that first band called? The very first band, we, we originally called ourselves the Rain Dogs uh, because every time we got together to practice, it would rain cats and dogs every time, it seemed like. Uh, we then realized that Kingston had a fairly popular band already called the Rain Kings, and we didn't want to be confused. So we were sitting around trying to figure out a name, and nobody could think of a name, nobody could think of a name, and I said, well, aren't we a vacant lot? And that became the name of the new <laughs> band. <laughs> So we were the vacant lot for about uh, about six years. We were together as the vacant lot, and uh, I'm lot. always intrigued about how these <clears throat> names evolve because sometimes there's interesting stories, and sometimes it's just something pops into your head. It, it was. It was literally just I said it, and everybody went, "That's it. That's 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 the name of the band." And uh, it was everybody loved that whole double entendre thing about it, uh, and it, it was a great band, I, or a great name, and it was a great band too. Uh, I, I kind of wish we hadn't lost the name in a way, but. Uh, so, what kind of music were you playing at that time? Um, we were playing a pretty eclectic mix of everything and anything. Uh, we were playing some classic rock. We were playing some uh, stadium rock. We were playing some rock opera. We were playing. Uh, folk music we were playing a little bit of blues it was just kind of whatever anybody had an interest in uh kind of bring it in and everybody kind of go yeah okay let's let's do that and so it was everything from from the 60s right through to the 90s and and sort of a real dog's breakfast of of everything and anything (laughs) uh and at some particular point you either changed personnel or just changed the name of the group so what happened was uh rick was kind of getting i wouldn't say 
disinterested, but a little, uh, he wanted to do something different. Uh, so he said, I'm going to, I'm taking a break. And he stepped away from the band at that point. So I stayed with the vacant lot for about another two years after Rick left, but Rick wanted to still do music. So I was doing music with him on a little side project called, uh, um, uh, one night stand. So that was, uh, cause that's all we, we originally planned just uh, doing a show for a friend of his as a, as a one night stand, uh, sort of show. And that, kind of became the name of the band we were working with another guy named Jens can't remember his last name right now uh, but we, we worked together for about five or six months mm-hmm. and then as the vacant lot kind of sort of petered out uh, I got to the point where I wanted to do something a little more focused uh, this all over the place was mm-hmm. I was getting a little tired of the whole thing like that and loved the members of the band still like playing with them but just the whole uh, the whole sound of the band uh, I just needed something different something a little little more focused so i stepped away from the vacant lot and at that point that was kind of the end of that that whole project um and then rick and i uh jens had to leave so rick and i were kind of looking around well what do we do now uh and we formed a new band with my nephew and uh and another guy and we became known as uh vinyl analysis I think I saw vinyl analysis, and your nephew would have been the young lad who eventually moved out west? That's correct. When he graduated? Yeah. Okay. So you have vinyl analysis, and then eventually you evolved into rewind. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was uh, my nephew, he's an amazing, brilliant guitar player, one of the best lead guitar players I've ever seen. But he finished his undergrad and then he finished his master's uh, and he oh, sorry, and then he went on to uh, he went on to Alberta and that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so we had actually been trying to get Steve Stenman. Rick and I had been trying to get Steve Stenman into the band for about three or four years because I kept saying, you know, Steve, we, we need to get him into the band. He was a friend of mine, but I also had heard him play with the Comets, and I was like. Yeah, let's let's try and let's try and poach him if we can. So you've got Steve and you've got Rick. We didn't really introduce the rest of the band brothers. Rick Taylor, the current band. Rick Taylor, Steve Stedman, and Jerry Rates. Just this is a fellow that you've just recruited because you, for some reason, drummers are hard to find. Is that what the story I, is? I don't or? know. It almost seems like Spinal Tap. We seem to go through <laughs> a drummer a year almost. Um, just different and various reasons. Uh, sometimes it's personalities. Sometimes it's uh, it's. You know, the family issues, things like that. Our, like our former drummer, uh, Jeff, a uh, great drummer, fantastic drummer. Um, he's just had become a new father. Uh, okay. So as a result, he's not able to play with us as often. And Jerry was kind of doing part-time stuff with us. And uh, we talked to Jeff and we talked to Jerry and they said, well, why don't we flip roles? So Jerry's our main drummer now and Jeff uh, will, does backup for us whenever, uh, whenever he's got a free period of time. So it kind of worked out really well. Nobody, nobody was fired per se and, uh, and it just kind of worked out like that. I was, I've been talking to uh, a lot of different singers, songwriters, musicians, that sort of thing in the context of doing this show. And I'm totally amazed at how many bands and musicians there are in town. And if anyone has Facebook, I think one of the pages you have to go to is one that Larry Stafford 
mm. put together the history of Kingston bands, or I can't remember the exact name of the Facebook page. Okay, but he has posters. Have you seen that? I no, actually, you got to go look. Okay, at I'll have he to, has yeah. posters and pictures of every band member who ever existed in the city. Okay, uh, it's it's quite interesting to watch. But what it does tell you is that there is a, a plethora of talent in this town that in all sorts of different music. So if we come back to rewind, so rewind is formed in its current lineup and you're playing music now how did you go about deciding that this was the kind of music you're going to play and describe what you're playing now i think the name came from the music that we were we were playing uh we were kind of looking for a band name and we were playing a lot of 50s and 60s and 70s stuff uh in our warm-ups in our practices and we said you know rewind that might be a good name for the band because we're going to kind of rewind everybody back uh, kind of like rewinding the tape and we're going to take you up through the decades and we're going to listen to all that music uh, that everybody used to really really enjoy but you don't hear a lot anymore on the radio so yeah it just it was just and if you're not dancing to it you're singing along to it that's exactly it it's uh, you know we look out at the audience and the floor isn't always full but there's always people singing there's always people tapping along and they know the words they're singing along from the tables and that's that's you get that energy from the crowd too it's it's great when they get up and dance but just to look out and see everybody singing closing their eyes and singing the songs back to you that's that's pretty amazing so at some particular point you have to put together a lineup of songs that you're going to perform in the context of a show yes and i'm looking at the band members and i don't really know how old you all are but i know that there is a bit of a generation (laughs) gap inside the band how do you go about picking the songs uh, usually what happens is someone will show up at practice with a song or a couple songs, uh, and they'll say, let's try this one. And we all go, okay. Uh, first of all, it's like, well, do you know this? And do you know this? Usually we all know the song every now and again, you don't. So you pull it up on YouTube or you pull it up somewhere and you listen to it and you go, yeah, yeah I think, I think I can do that one. Um, but really it's just a matter of everybody brings a song in every so often, or we'll say, okay, let's, let's freshen it up. We need some new songs. Everybody bring in three songs. Mm-hmm. So everybody goes out and does their homework and kind of brings in three songs. Uh, Vicky, uh, who is Rick's wife, Vicky Taylor, she's kind of our manager as well. She constantly tweets me or emails me with, or, or messages me and says, what about this song? What about this song? What about this song? So we get lots of she good ideas. She has a list. She has a list as well. So we get, we get lots of great ideas from all over the place. So here's a question for you. Why do you do this? Why do you... <laughs> carry all of this stuff into a little club and set it all up and play for three hours and go home uh we love it you know uh it's it's something that's in your blood uh i think you just you know for myself from the time i was five years old and everybody would ask me what do you want to be when you grow up i wanted to be a rock star <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what the other guy's motivation is, but it's just it's something about music and something about being on stage and, and connecting with people and getting that energy. Um, almost always positive, not always. Sometimes things go wrong, but for the most part, you just there's something about it. It draws you back. It's it's like a drug. It. Uh, there, there are two different types of musicians, I would guess, that I've had the opportunity to talk with. And these are the people who want to make music their only pursuit. This is what they do for a living. And hopefully someday something will click. And then there are others who you know, want to continue doing what they're doing uh, in civilian life and want to continue to play music on the side, which is where you would fit, I would guess. Yeah, which is where we are. Unless you still want to be a rock star. Well, you never give up that dream. You never give up that dream. Uh, I actually, I lived that life. 
during my late teens, early 20s. Uh, I thought that's where I was going. Uh, I, you know, I was living in Toronto. I was playing in a lot of places down the beaches and, the, and places around Toronto. And um, life just, you know, it kind of changes. Everything happens um, after you have kids and a family and you're looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't want to just live your work. You want to do something that, that is an outlet for you. So the music has always been there. And it's, it's just something that, yeah, you, you just want to do it. Uh, who's your audience? When you look out in the crowd, what kind of people do you typically see at one of your shows? Um, I think it depends upon the venue we're at. Uh, some places we go, we get uh, late 20s to mid 50s. Uh, other places we get an older crowd. I would say generally our crowd is 40 and up uh, for the most part. I think that's part of it is the music that we're playing. And that's we're, we're getting a bit of a following now, which is nice to mm-hmm. see. We're seeing the same faces in the audience over and over again. I love that, the fact that they've, they've connected with us in that way. But uh, yeah, I, I think generally we get a, we get a 40 plus audience uh, for the most part. Okay instrumentation in the band so let's describe for those listening who may not have seen uh, you guys perform what you've got on the stage when you're looking at the stage okay so rick taylor's playing keyboard now for the most part uh every now and again he'll pull out a guitar but not too often anymore now he's a guy who's moved he was on drums he's moved around yeah he uh he played uh he, he started off playing uh bass guitar uh mm-hmm. with the vacant lot with us and then he moved to uh, rhythm guitar for a little bit, and then he went to drums, and then he went back to rhythm guitar, and now he's on keyboard. So, yeah, he's he's moved. It always, you know, it amazes me the fact that he never really had any formal musical training in any of those instruments. Uh, he just sits down and, like, within hours, he's able to play at a pretty competent level, and it's it's pretty impressive to, to see. He that. was telling us that he taught himself how to play the keyboard. He he did, yeah. and like literally within weeks, he was able to play just about anything we could throw at him. And uh, you know, and he'll sit down and he'll start running a few runs through and go, "What do you think?" And it's like, "Yeah, that's that's perfect." So yeah, it it, all, it never ceases to amaze me how much he uh, he's able to do that because it's it's something that I can do, but I have to work at it. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of the guys? So Steve Stenman, he's our uh, lead and rhythm guitar player. He kind of doubles on both of those at the same time. Uh, Steve plays uh, just such a solid lead. Um, he never, I wouldn't say he gets all wild and experimental, but you just, you know every time that uh, you're getting a really quality lead out of him. Uh, he just, he knows where he's going and it doesn't matter what song it is. He's like, oh yeah, I can do a lead for that. And, mm-hmm. and, and it just rips out of there uh, amazingly quick. Uh, Jerry has been drumming for a long time he plays with i think three or four maybe five bands outside of ours and uh i've yet to see anything that he can't do on the on the drum kit uh it, it doesn't matter whether it's a waltz or a shuffle beat or a hard rock or an acid rock or a punk song that we might try he just he understands the beats and he's able to do it now he's from belleville right? he's from belleville yeah, yeah. Okay. and you uh, and I play bass. Uh, well, now I'm playing bass. Uh, what happened, uh, I was playing rhythm guitar for ages. Uh, and uh, when Rick left the band the first time, the vacant lot, so when he left and went to do something else, I said, well, I'll play bass. And I picked it up. And uh, actually, when I was saying Rick picked up the keyboard fast. The, from the moment I picked up the bass guitar, I knew that that was the instrument that I wanted. I, I should have been doing this the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it felt so natural in my hands. I, I, it was, it was just an amazing experience. 
Now, I am no musician, but I've, I've watched a lot of bass players because I happen to be someone who enjoys the sound of bass guitar. And I noticed that a lot of guys will sit up there with the bass guitar and just you, you, their fingers barely move. But they, they make a good sound. But when I watch you, you're all over the place. It's almost like you're playing lead guitar, but it's a bass guitar. That's exactly how I approach it. Uh, I played a little bit of lead, and when I play the bass, part of that came out of when Steve and Rick and I were a three-piece, and we needed to fill in the background and have a good, solid, uh, full sound. So I, so I started learning more expansive bass riffs, and it was just like playing lead guitar. And I, I just... I love it. I love that thing. I, I've often, uh, I watch the bass player from The Who, uh, I, uh, Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, I watch some of these amazing bass players who, who play this uh, really wide range uh, on the fret. And it's something that I've, I've tried to emulate and copy. And, and it just, it, it feels very good. It sounds good. Thank you. Singing. Now, you tend to do uh, most of the lead singing. Steve does some, as does Rick. Rick does a few songs, but um, it's the harmonies that uh, I wanted to chat a little bit about at this particular point. So I'm interested to know how you put together the harmonies for a particular song you decide to do. So the harmonies are the one thing, right from the very start when we, uh, when we got together, we focused mainly on harmonies over instrumentation because for us, that's, that we wanted to do something that was different. And we knew that all three of us could sing. Uh, Rick had been doing choral singing and, and things like that for years. Steve had been singing with the, the Comets. So we knew that all of us could sing. And we just said, let's try and build harmonies into as many of the songs as we can. So what we do is when we get a song, first we decide, okay, who's going to sing lead? And then, so we'll usually, all of us will have a, have a try at the lead the first few times we do a song. And then we kind of go, yeah, well, no, maybe not there. And, you know, depending on what the range is. Once we've established who the lead singer is, then the other two say, okay, I'm either going to take the mids or I'm going to take the highs. And uh, most of the time, Rick will take the high harmonies and Steve will kind of take the next one up. But we'll, we'll then spend four, five, six practices of, at like a half an hour each time just on the harmonies like we'll we'll cut out the instrumentation entirely and just work on doing those harmonies it sounds like a barbershop trio mm-hmm. uh downstairs quite often when we're practicing because we really we really work on those yeah so i mean sometimes someone will bring a song in and say i brought this for you i want okay. you to sing this because they're like i think it'll really suit your voice um but quite often we'll bring it in and uh, we'll go, yeah, let's, everybody will kind of have a stab at it and, and go, you know, maybe I want to do this, maybe I don't want to do this. Uh, I sing a majority of the songs in the band, um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, if you want to do this one, that'd be great because it gives my, my voice a mm-hmm. bit of a rest uh, from doing the leads. But, yeah, we tend, we, we're, we're pretty egalitarian about how we do it. When somebody comes in with a song and says, I think we should do this particular song, who puts together the arrangement for the song? Because I guess you would have to adapt it to the instrumental side as well. Again, that's a real collaborative process. We'll start and we'll play it through. And then, you know, Steve might say, let's try, let's try with the bass. Let's try doing this. Or, or he might go to Rick and say, you know, on the keyboard, instead of doing this rhythm, try this instead. And Rick will do it. Um, sometimes Rick will say to Steve, you know, uh, maybe try, you know, bring your guitar up or bring your guitar down. Or, or I'll turn to Steve and say, how about try finger picking that part instead of strumming it and things like that. But uh, for the most part, 
we, we get a pretty good feel about what we want to hear. And, and we've been together and doing it so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of, There's less and less of that happening anymore than there used to be. It's, it's more we just kind of know what's going to work with, uh, with a particular sound. It's like if we need more sound, we, we know how we got to do it. If we want less sound and more vocal, we know how we want to do that. It just comes out. It just kind of comes out, yeah. I was thinking we, we listened to you guys perform Carry Me by the Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, what song that you've been playing for a while. So that gives people a sense of what kind of music you play. And I can remember going and seeing you guys perform at the porch. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was. But uh, you went into Roadhouse Blues by the Doors. Which, <laughs> to me, I'm going, whoa, there's, <laughs> this is different, but it works. Yeah. Now, how, do, how do you go with seems to me like a totally different direction from what I expect of you guys. And maybe that's just part of the game that you, do, you want to keep people coming back for more and surprising them. I, I think it's just, it was one of those songs that uh, I think it was Steve who brought it in and said, let's give this a go. And uh, right from the moment we fired it up, we all went, yeah, actually, we can, we can do this. We can, we can make this one sound not too bad. Um, it may not be what fits more naturally into our set list but we've managed to find a way because we as we travel up through we go well you know this is here we are we're into the we're into the late 60s early 70s and this is one of the songs from there Mm -hmm. but uh it's just it's just a fun song to sink your teeth into and i think that's what we all do is we really just kind of it's one that you can just bite into and kind of shake it like a dog and (laughs) (laughs) and really really enjoy venues that you've performed in so you've done a lot of different clubs around town you've done some out of town stuff a few out of town yeah um tell us about the kind of venue you like to perform in i like i love the smaller clubs uh where you've got a cozier setting uh maybe not a not a huge dance floor a smaller dance floor uh kind of closed in carpeting uh nice friendly bar kind of think cheers with a with a band there almost type thing uh, there's just something friendly about that. You get you get in there. You can see your crowd. Uh, what between your sets, you go around. You're you're chatting with the people at the tables. You're you're able to sit down and have a drink with them and kind of talk about stuff. Get to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the smaller, cozier settings are get are some my feedback favorite. from them at the same time. Love yeah. getting feedback. Yeah, and we do. We we actually use audience feedback a lot. Uh, especially, it's great to get positive feedback but we really do listen whenever the audience says uh, something's not working for them we go back and we think about that really hard the next practice we'll talk about it uh, we'll kind of discuss it uh, we'll, we'll think about you know do we need to make any changes uh, and sometimes we do mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we don't sometimes we have another go at it but if we hear the same stuff over and over again then uh, yeah we, we definitely use the the audience feedback funniest thing that ever happened to you at a performance at a show uh, we had a show uh out on uh um we were just north of the city at a lake they had hired us to come up and do a a family reunion so we showed up it was early spring or mid-spring and we uh we came up to the lake and set up we were out on a hay wagon and they ran all the cords from the back of the house through the grass up onto the hay wagon and uh we're sitting up on the hay wagon singing and uh the mosquitoes were everywhere. So as soon as you breathed in, you were breathing. It's like there was just clouds of mosquitoes. But as I leaned in towards the mic, as the humidity came up, I leaned in towards the microphone and I got about two inches from the microphone and this huge blue arc streams across from the microphone and just nails me on the lip. <laughs> and we realized that none of the equipment was grounded, which is a little scary too. 
because uh, the plugs were all ungrounded. Um, and all night long, as everybody gets a little too close to the microphone, all you can see are these blue flashes of electricity, <laughs> and, and you kind of hear, oh, <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> and it wasn't the light show. <laughs> and it wasn't a light show. <laughs> it wasn't a light show. But, uh, so that would probably categorize as one of the worst things that happened to you. Uh, it's, it's up there. Um, I, I, it may be one of the worst shows that uh, – now, sound-wise, it was great, but just for the experience, it was definitely not a pleasant experience, but we kept going. Uh, I think one of the worst shows we ever had was uh, we got hired to do a show f- uh, for a former director of education, and um, we sat backstage for three hours after we were supposed to go on and had all our equipment set up and dragged it all in, done a sound check, and we sat and we sat and we sat and listened to speech after speech after speech. Oh. And 11.30 rolls around, and they start packing up. Everybody's <laughs> leaving. So we come out, we're supposed to do some songs here and they go oh well okay do a song so we did one song and they said thanks very much and they sent us home uh that had to be the worst show that we've ever done and it was everything i could do to keep the rest of the bands band from just walking out on the show they were like that's it i'm out of here i'm not doing this and i was like no we got hired we got we got to stick around and do this (laughs) well we have run out of time on the program today and I want to thank you very much for coming in and giving us some of your time and telling us a little bit about the band and all the best to you going forward. Well, thank you very much. Uh, much appreciated. And this was a lot of fun. Paul Olmstead, singer and bass player with the band Rewind. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.